0: Welcome to episode 118 of our SAP on Azure video podcast. Today is November 11th and together with Robert and Goran, we're here to talk about anything related to SAP and Microsoft. Hello everyone. Hi. Hi. So today we revisit one of my favorite (laughs) topics, and that's Power Platform and SAP. We already talked about the Power Platform a few times in the past, so I'm really honored to welcome John Gilman to our call this week. About a year ago, Microsoft acquired Clearsoft, and by this added a lot of SAP experience to the Power Platform team. The results of this acquisition can already be seen. During the Power Platform conference and Ignite, John and the team already released a new SAP connector, which addresses a lot of limitations that we heard from customers from the previous connector. But it gets even better we are in the process of delivering 25 apps and much much more power automate flows for typical SAP scenarios so before we hand over to John to learn more about these news let's quickly as always take a look at some other news um from this week and I actually want to start with um with a GitHub announcement so some of you might have seen there was a um, GitHub universe so the the annual conference and um, there were tons of announcements and GitHub code spaces and and a lot of cool other things um, and one thing that I just wanted to highlight was this hey GitHub um, integration so so basically it's a way and let me actually see if this this works here so you talk to GitHub and GitHub creates code directly out of this oh wait this this is annoying a little so so let me stop this again but but it's it's a it's a cool thing where where we we show um other things that you can do with AI and if you remember um, when when we started GitHub Copilot, where by just writing code, um, it would use code completions AI and and really write the code, and we had a previous episode on this as well. That was already really impressive. And what I found so 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 fascinating is really that we see this infusion a lot in other areas. For example, in the Power Platform, um, where, where we have lots of new functionalities where um, we really help the business users now with this um, AI infused technologies and for me it was just fun to see um that uh GitHub is is doing some some new additional stuff there here to write code without the keyboard so with this let me let me go to the next topic and that's um um you might remember um Martin Pankratz had started uh, a blog post series about um yeah integration services how can you connect um, SAP data to other systems and now. Um, we have another um blog post from from a partner actually um about migrating your SAP PIPO flows to cloud native and that's actually a really interesting um interesting blog post um, again here from from the partner Quibic, because it it i mean a lot of customers are still using PIPO obviously um, this is um, when you're on premise i think that was um, the go-to solution, and and we'll we'll cover that actually, or some related topic in in, in a second as well. But um, what Christoph here here outlines is um, how how can you actually migrate um, these services to 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 a cloud-native scenario, and and obviously one of the options is the um, CPI, the Cloud Platform Integration Suite. But there are also other um, solutions. So you could also use this with Azure Integration Services. And basically, what what Christoph outlines here is are some of the things. That you can consider that you can use to um migrate your 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 scenarios and they actually have one really cool offering and that's an a converter that helps you to convert your existing pipo mappings keep in mind you might have invested a lot of um, time a lot of energy in these mappings for your on-premises environments how you can convert these mappings into um, xslts that you can then obviously also use Um, in in other integration services. So if you are using PIPO, if you're thinking about migrating these solutions to the Cloud, then definitely take a look at um, this blog post um, from Quivic. Moving on, um, that's one topic, Goran, that that you just brought up.
1: Yeah, I mean, just look the red uh, text. (laughs) Uh, Very important, actually, we missed to mention last time, but HANA large instances are in sunset mode. And there is no acceptance of the new customer. And this is really very important part because simply i um, um, VMs are so huge that uh, in these days, we don't need it uh, anymore. Basically uh, on a HANA large instance, and there's actually a less request as well. Um, and there is no need to have them. So important is no new customer will come mm-hmm. there and will be accepted. Of course, service will be provided for the existing customer. However, of course, I would um, definitely strongly recommend that customer existing uh, HLI customers think on moving to the VMs. I mean, the rest of the VMs is anyway in, yeah. in the, in the uh, rest of the SAP layers in the VMs. Uh, but they should really rethink to move to the VMs simply to get... I mean, you get much more other benefits and flexibility by running HANA in the VMs. And especially, again, those VMs are huge and getting bigger and bigger. So nobody would, I believe, need such yeah. a huge uh, physical machines for the HANA load.
0: And I think just um, I mean you mentioned it. Um, we started with the Hana Large instances simply because VMs weren't that big. So exactly. a, a few exactly. years ago, when you wanted to have twelve terabytes or twenty-four terabytes of memory, then these Hana Large instances were, were the only things that was possible across any any hyperscaler. And in the meantime, we talked about this also before. We now have almost twenty-four terabyte virtual machines available. Right. Um, really, with with live productive customers on it um, as well fully certified and, and stuff like that. So so there's really no need to to go to these HANA large instances anymore.
1: Correct, correct, yeah. Um, an interesting uh, small um, uh, point is here. It's about uh, yeah clustering on Linux, on Pacemaker, uh, the storage in Linux cluster as well and Windows cluster, I always have to mention. <laughs> <laughs> um, the way how things works is uh, we have two machines with the clustering we have in front of some kind of internal load balancer, and that load balancer is actually forwarding requests to the active node. The way how it knows where to forward is basically something on the active node has to sit a resource and an answer on a ping. Mm-hmm. So that's actually a cluster resource, um, one of the cluster resource in, on Linux is one of the uh, pacemaker cluster resource, uh, and Windows is a Windows cluster resource, and it's only active on a, on a, on a, on a live node. Uh, that resource in the past, we used actually a, a, a netcat, so it's a kind of process, and shows some limitations, and then it was replaced with a so-called socket, and now the new stuff, which is actually recommended, is Azure-LB resource agent. Okay, so okay. customers strongly rec- recommended to uh, migrate to it. It's a Red Hat, it's a SLES as well. Okay, this is the SLES uh, article, but they are kind of strongly recommended to to migrate. it simply because uh, it's get more, it's more reliable. Yeah, although they can still use, uh, as as they are mentioning, uh, the socket. Um, if this is already uh, configured as per article, and uh, the blue part, they're important. Um, mm-hmm. it's the, yeah, the one which is important, right? Um, okay. Things are, I mean, continuously improving um, and uh, um, pace is very fast. Um, unfortunately, there are many of those moving parts, uh, and sometimes customer cannot track it, all of them. Um, And they forget to do it or or they don't realize that there is something new. So okay, we use this opportunity just to bring a bit more more awareness to such a small but important pieces. Simply, H A is important, right?
2: Yeah.
1: Okay. So that would be the all from my side.
0: Cool. Thank you good then then moving on um I just want to highlight again or highlight one topic again um I mean we had Aaron Stern um on the podcast um sometime before where he talked about the Azure Center for SAP solutions and he Manchu um just created another blog post um talking a little about um what it is uh, um, about how you can use it um, and just getting you started and um, again for me ACSS is one of the, um, the the newest cool things that we have on Azure for SAP, because it, it really makes your your Azure instance aware of SAP. And, and with this information, I think um, that's what this screenshot here talks about. With this, now that ASA, Azure knows that this is your SAP system, we can very easily integrate into as stuff in the, in the um, SAP deployment automation framework in monitoring in Sentinel, in in lots of other services. And and that's what I think we're just getting started. So um, if you have still not yet checked out um, Azure Center for SAP Solution, now's the time. So one last thing, um, and um, that's just from from nostalgic reasons from my side, Um, uh, when when I started my SAP career, it was actually using the SAP Business Connector. So I, I started to connect different SAP systems. And I'm actually surprised that the business connector is still around, so so it was released in nineteen ninety nine apparently, and it's still being used by customers. So I I think there were a few enhancements, um but yeah, it's it's great to see that that a product like the business connector is 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 still around and still being used by 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 customers. And I when I when I saw this this blog post, I was just reminded of of my history. So I thought uh, I I definitely want to mention this one. So good with this um. I mentioned in the in the intro, um, there was a new um, announcement um, during Build, uh, sorry, sorry, during the Power Platform conference during Ignite, and um, as mentioned, we are we are extremely happy to have John um, with us today. So, so maybe John, maybe you can quickly introduce yourself, what you're doing at Microsoft, and then um, yeah, maybe you can show us some of the new Power Platform and SAP magic that you've been working on.
3: Sure. Um, So, as Holger mentioned, uh, I was the founder of a company called Clear Software um, that Microsoft acquired last year, and we were heavily, heavily focused on digital transformation and automation for SAP customers and Oracle eBusiness Suite customers. Those are kind of our bread and butter areas. Um, so when we got acquired, uh, we began to migrate our functionality into the Power Platform and kind of performed a Frankenstein operation, so to speak, where we had to we had to break apart our platform and then put it in other areas of uh, of the Power Platform. So you'll see changes to Power Apps, Power Automate, Logic Apps, and and even DataVerse. Um, so there's a lot of cool things coming. Um, when we made the announcement in September that we went into public preview with all this new functionality. By far, the biggest um, excitement was around the pre-built power apps that we've put on top of SAP. So we announced that we have a fully operational uh, purchase orders app and sales orders app (coughs) that will allow you to create, update, read, um, purchase orders, and flow through the entire procure-to-pay process in a simple streamlined app that is obviously configurable because Power Apps is, you know, it's a, a, a no-code um, BPMS solution. So you can bring in your custom fields, um, you can, you know, bring in your custom dropdown values, and all of this is, uh, you know, can get you up and running within a matter of minutes. Um, our intent before we get to GA is to, Take the top 25 business processes in SAP and have pre-built apps very similar to this purchase orders app for, you know, things like within the sales area, customers all the way through customer payments. So you could use this as an MDM solution uh, within purchasing vendor creation all the way through paying a vendor uh, within finance, um, journal entries, GL accounts, cost centers, everything needed for record to report. Um, And then within production, if you happen to be a company that makes a product, um, you know, we have production orders, materials, goods movements, all the fun stuff related to MRP. And we've designed this in a way that we are agnostic to the underlying ERP system. So our initial focus has been SAP because it's, you know, by far the the most widely used ERP system in the world. But these processes are really kind of the same regardless of what underlying ERP you're using. So our intent Mm is to create create these as generically as possible so that in subsequent phases, when we focus on Oracle eBusiness Suite and PeopleSoft and a lot of the other ERPs out there, the Power App itself won't change, but the underlying integration behind the scenes may take a different path. So if you happen to be an organization that through acquisition has subsidiaries that are running, some are running SAP, some are running Oracle, we can give you a single cohesive user experience and based on data attributes that are selected in your process, we can determine behind the scenes, does it go into Oracle? Does it go into SAP? Which SAP does it go into? Um, So there's a lot of cool things you can do here. So this is by far what people were were most excited about behind the scenes. Oh, go ahead.
0: So sorry uh, uh, that's actually a super interesting use case because typically to to be honest when I uh, talk about this to 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 customers and you're absolutely right when, when you announced this I got so many emails from customers around this they they, they were super excited but um, typically I only talk about how you can use this in the context of SAP but but you're absolutely right that's actually a pretty cool use case that with this new user interface we, yes we can connect to an SAP system but um, if, if a customer then also has an, another ERP system, an Oracle system or whatever, then they, they could use this as the new front end for both their oh. SAP, for the Oracle, and potentially also for, for their, that dynamic system or something like that.
3: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, so this is really, really key for a lot of the mu- large multinationals that have, you know, y- you've seen their their uh, system landscapes before, where there'll be, you know, forty four instances of SAP and twenty two instances of Oracle eBusiness Suite, and they're just trying to get some sort of commonality amongst all the all the different organizations they have across the globe. Um, so what's really cool is kind of under the hood for for any technical folks. Um, the Power Automate flows that are powering those power apps uh, so you know for example a flow to create a sales order or to approve a purchase order um those are flowing through a new SAP connector um and we we listen to our customers and some of the big things we were hearing were one you know Power Automate could not connect to a message server and obviously if you're yeah. a large multinational and you have a, a message server that's doing the load balancing across maybe 15 or 20 application servers um, that's pretty critical because you know if you want to put 50 or 60,000 or 100,000 users on Power Apps, you need to be able to communicate with a message server. So we've added message server support. Um, we have a, a new area called a, a data source environment variable for SAP, where you can maintain any complex SAP system connection parameter um, for SNC libraries, load balancing. Um, and our intent here is to allow you, allow your basis administrators to do this in one place within the Power Platform when you first start using it, maintain it once, and then your flow makers and your Power Apps makers can just reference this connection going forward without having to know all the, you know, the complicated things that they're not going to know anyway. The, they basically usually have to go back to the basis team and say, hey, what's the IP address for the message server and what port does it listen on? So setting this up once is going to pay huge dividends in the future yeah and um, even and
0: and even t- just to to uh,
3: I- interject here with with another personal experience,
0: even if I have um all the details um, in the, in, if I created a Power automate flow where I not only called one BAPI where but it were called five BAPIs, then for each and every BAPI, um I, I needed to enter all the, the the server informations. I needed to to enter yep. all the things and and now I have this variable. Where I can just say, look, this is my SAP Dev environment, which actually yeah. brings another super cool point from my point of view. So I can develop against my development environment, and once I'm ready, and I do not go need to go through all the different flows and and update um, the, the the connection string again. I can just go into the variable and say, look, now don't point to the to the development system anymore, but now point to the to the productive system. So I think yeah. that, that th- this brings much more flexibility than what we had with the previous
3: connector. Yeah, migrating between dev, QA, and production is going to be so much easier now. Um, that kind of leads into one of the next cool things that we, we've built out. So the on-premises data gateway that um, listens for requests from the Power Platform and then actually connects to your SAP system to, to transact BAPIs, um, we have a new version of that, and it's taking into account not just the advanced system parameters that we just saw, but we have some new, very, very cool single sign-on functionality. So, you know, for those who have who've delved into this before, connecting Power Apps to SAP using single sign-on Uh, required wizard wizardry that you know usually involved decades of SAP experience so we've simplified that dramatically Uh, and the new on premises data gateway is very tightly integrated with Active Directory um, and uses Kerberos authentication Uh, and all of that again is set up in an environment variable um, you know, within the Power Platform so that you set it up once and you never have to touch it ever again. So going forward, users in Power Apps will no longer be prompted with a pop-up to enter their username and password or select a data gateway because they shouldn't. They don't know what that means, you know. Yeah. There's no reason why 2,000 people should have to know that they have to select a certain data gateway. Um, so that's all gone. That's that's a silent log on by virtue of you being authenticated into your um, Office 365 domain, when you come into Power Apps, we then uh, allow that Kerberos delegation to happen on the on premises data gateway so that you don't have to do anything. You're connected to Power Apps, you're connected to your domain, you can transact data against the SAP system and still have your full audit trail. So that is huge, huge, huge because it's been a, a big pain for uh, customers to set up a SSO. Not only for the customers,
0: I, I also experienced this. Um... First hand when, because as you said, if if it's not working for customers, they then reach out to Microsoft and ask for help. And yep. then it is always a struggle um to, to set up these uh, single sign-on configurations. So I think this this will, again, hugely help customers to yeah. to have a single sign-on experience.
1: But also the flexibility to go to the on-premises. And I believe through the, as far as data gateway, it's just a data gateway sitting on the on-premises. There is no need to have a VPN. Uh, there is no, it's just going yep. outbound, right, on a, uh, through the HTTPS, meaning it's simple and secure as well.
3: Yep, absolutely. Yeah, having been on a lot of those support calls for single sign-on setup, I'm glad that this is happening, so uh, we don't have those anymore.
1: <laughs> Great.
3: Cool. Um and then as Holger mentioned, um, you know, we, we did build a new SAP connector and now when you pick your SAP system, you simply select it from a dropdown. So no, there's no more entering the IP address and the client and the system number. Um, you're simply selecting that environment variable of type data source that has all your SAP connection parameters in there. Um, what's really cool is we're going to be delivering prior to GA, uh, which is in December of this year, uh, several hundred pre-built Power Automate flows around all of these really common processes, like approving a purchase order in this case, that's what we're looking at here, but you know, creating a sales order, creating a vendor, creating a customer, that's all gonna be there, but we're doing it in a way that's very simple now, where we have pre-delivered mappings, mm-hmm. and you can tweak those mappings to meet your needs, but you're not having to go through and figure out, oh, for example, you know when you wanna create a sales order, you pass a, an array of items to SAP, but you also have to pass another array of items that have X flags in them. Mm-hmm. Like those kind of weird things that you have to figure out over years of SAP integration experience. We're taking that away and giving you know, customers something that works day one, and then they can tweak it to meet their needs, but they, they no longer have to be uh, well-versed in the wizardry of, of SAP integration
0: and again I think for me that's I mean the, the the 25 apps that that that's great um but but actually what is m- even more valuable let me put it like this are these power automate flows because um maybe I want to build my own app and and then I have the flows that I can rely on or even better let's say I want to do a, a team's integration um using power virtual Agents, and from power virtual agents I, I need to create um, a, a purchase order in the SAP system, then now I can use this power automated flow. And I- exactly as you said, I don't need to figure out or oh, which X do I need, need to set and stuff like that. I mean, right now, when I do something there, I always start with um, SE37. So with the um, um, on the SAP system, I, I check out exactly what is the function module doing, what are the parameters that I need to set there. And then once I know it's working in the SAP system, I try to yeah copy and paste the values into my um, ERP connector just to make sure that they have the right structure um, available in in Power Automate and now if there's a template that I can choose a Power Automate flow template and um, that says look this is the flow to to create a um, a purchase order or this is the the, the flow uh, to I don't know um, create a business partner or whatever and that will, take so much work from me because i i don't have all this trouble to yeah try out myself and what is actually the right um right setting that is required and and even if it's if i have a z bar p on the sap system i can still use this probably as a as a guide as a reference um and and then do some modifications on the
2: um on the flows that we are pre-delivering yeah, regarding yeah. that, uh, regarding that, uh, what you mentioned, Holger. So these these flows and those twenty-five uh, applications, we are delivering delivering that. I-, I think not like a, like a final products. We are just de- delivering that like as a as a collection of best practices to help customer to maybe extend that, innovate and provide something else. Or yeah, do we, yeah. Plan, do we plan to support those applications like final application, or is it just somehow? repository of of best practices from our side
3: yeah so we'll have a github repository wow, um, and great. we think of these kind of as as templates so okay. you know the 25 apps and then the corresponding around 100 or 150 flows that support those apps will be available as a solution that you can download and import into your environment and then you can copy them change them do whatever you need to do after that but it's it's saving you years and years and years of frustrating research and testing and, and and all that it just works and you know you can tweak it to meet your needs um and one of the things holger mentioned so one of the apps that we're we're pre-delivering after ga is se 37 so it's a power app that is sc37 <laughs> <laughs> that allows you to to look oh, at really? your babies and yeah and and explore them and test them and play around with them so um you know, you wouldn't necessarily even need to to go into SAP to figure out which which BAPI you want to uh, integrate with.
1: Cool. So you will basically pull the all metadata, so to say, and offer it. Yep. The UI. Wow. Cool. Okay. Yeah.
3: And uh, so one of the UI enhancements we're actually making um, to the SAP function too is that these these little information icons here, you can click on them, and it will display in a pop-up window on the right. Um, the definition of that structure or that table within sap and it will tell you you know what's required what's not required so um you know not only are we building a special app to replace SE 37 but within the flow itself you can actually explore Mm -hmm. the definitions of each of the parameters that sap is expecting oh that's really powerful yep some cool stuff and then finally some of my my favorite you know, that these things didn't take very long for us to develop, but they are hugely important because they save you a lot of time. Uh, they are new logic apps functions uh, for the unique properties of SAP data. So um, for those who have ever dealt with leading zeros, which probably 95% of the people watching this podcast have dealt with leading zeros on master data and transaction data before, uh, we have a new simple function that allows you to determine, is your... ID for your master data or transactional data, alphanumeric or numeric. Um, if it's numeric, then we obviously need to remove the leading zeros before presenting it to Power Apps. Uh, then we need to add the leading zeros back before we mm-hmm. send to SAP. Um, so isInt is a new, highly, highly used function uh, within Logic Apps that uh, um, our Power Automate folks are taking advantage of quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Things like material, customer ID, vendor ID, uh, you know, you name it. and Any piece of master transactional data can sometimes have alphanumeric um, codes, so we need to be able to account for that. Um, and then some other functions related to some of the unique features within some of the SAP APIs. So, you know, Chunk will take a, a long text area and split it into fixed-length strings so that they can be mapped to the corresponding BAPIs in SAP. Uh, so a lot of cool stuff that will just help our customers get faster at their SAP integration and not have to do uh, some crazy workarounds to get the data into SAP.
0: That's really, really cool. And I mean, these are logic apps functions, but I can still use them also in, in my Power Automate flow. So um, if I have yeah. a Power App that triggers my Power Automate flow, I, I I call the BAPI, that it can also use these functionalities here.
3: Yep. So yeah, anytime you see the um, expression window up here, all of these uh, functions are are actually pulled from Logic Apps. So these are Logic mm-hmm. Apps functions, but uh, we're constantly adding more and more to these. You know, we have another uh, hugely useful one coming up that's basically an, a, a merge of arrays. So say you select. Um, you know some sales orders from the the vback table uh with an sap and then the customer names from kna1 and you want to merge those arrays together um you can simply say okay we're going to merge on kunnr which is the customer id mm-hmm. in vback and kunnr and kna1 and merge the customer names with the sales order header data uh, and pass it back so that's uh, a huge time savings in terms of uh, not having to loop over you know the arrays and and merge them together and what 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 i find so so fascinating is
0: um if you if you just work with Logic Apps or if you work with um, Power Automate, and um, th- th- then you think you have all the right functions already available. But if you come at this from an SAP angle, I mean, if, if you're not working with SAP, then you probably have never heard about the problem with leading zeros. But I think yep. everyone, as you said, who has worked with SAP has faced this challenge at some point in time. I mean, even though I know <laughs> that there is the leading zero issue, you you, you wouldn't imagine how often I made the mistake that um I, I, I do something, I, I send the data back to SAP and then it's not working. and then I look at the logs and ah, oh, of course, I need to add the zeros again or something like that. So so yeah. um these are things that we are um because of the deep SAP knowledge that that you and the team bring into into the power platform, that's really something that helps make, yeah, the power platform really work well with SAP. and I think it's it's also these these small things that make a huge difference for for our customers in this context.
3: Yeah, to non-SAP people, they're probably looking at this slide and saying, yeah, who cares, but it's, exactly, it's a huge, huge time saving. I,
1: mean, I, I believe you are oversimplifying, you know, it's not any more complicated SAP stuff here, you know, so. Uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> just okay
2: make it, for... making it easy. Yes, which, uh, which one... is a huge, huge value. I mean. Um, for the complicated but one thing. question when we're discussing about this, this uh, uh, actually the data governance. Yeah? So what what field is about? What is data data type and uh, what uh, leading zeros are there or not there? Is there, from your opinion, any space to in the future go with uh, uh, Azure purview in that direction to somehow have the data governance on top of or, as you mentioned Oracle systems and an SSP systems to help a customer to understand the fields? Because
3: it's not- Yeah. yeah. So so part of our, um, you know, now that we're here, um, there's the question of what's next and what we really want to focus on um, are, are two things. One is to go, essentially through every other product offering that Microsoft has and look and say how can we improve SAP integration there so you know we're working with the dataverse team right now on virtual tables modeled on top of SAP but now we're also looking at Microsoft's enterprise data model and we're looking at how can we bring this into Azure integration services so there's so many areas that still can benefit from what we've built for for the power platform um, so we'll be busy for quite a while, and then the second part is how do we take what we've built within Power Apps and extend it to all the other ERP systems that are out there? So mm-hmm. we'll be we'll be busy. Right. So far. Uh, and then the last thing we want to point people to is we're going to have a learning series on this SAP integration um, sometime in the February timeframe. But what's this is really cool is is it's going to not only describe from the persona of a flow maker how do you integrate with SAP but all the way up to the beginning of the your your SAP journey where you may have a you know your your VP of operations who says hey I want to I want to digitally transform some of these clunky processes that we have um all the way through i'm going live in production so there are going to be many different paths within this training focused on specific personas but the the intent is if you're really motivated and you want to digitally transform sap with the power platform you can do it purely on our learning website without talking to anyone. You can do it on your own time. Uh, it'll be completely self-service uh, because, you know, we know there are a lot of folks out there like me who don't want to go to a training class. Uh, they just want to learn it on their own, you know, maybe on a Saturday afternoon when you're bored uh, or, or whenever you want to. It's kind of at your own pace, but this is going to be really cool because, uh, you know, it's going to allow people to do some really cool things. Do you know
0: if we will have a certification? I mean, obviously, I know there's a power platform certification, but for example, in the in the SAP area, f- from an infrastructure perspective on Azure, we also have an SAP on Azure certification. So do you think it would make sense to also have a power platform and SAP? Or, or maybe we can take parts of this and, and infuse it into the SAP on Azure certification as well?
3: Yeah, I think so. I think that's a good idea. Um, what's cool about probably... 60 percent of this learning series is that we could literally lift it and copy it over to other areas as well because a lot of it's really around understanding sap and how yeah. you know how function modules work and, and all that fun stuff so it's not necessarily specific to power platform oh cool and that's all i got so uh, I have oh, perfect
1: one, one question in the, one of the previous slides you were referring to rc read table uh RRC with some enhance. I'm quite exactly special action I'm curious because I know it I was trying to use it and it's kind of very uh castrated RRC uh, it gets yeah. less number of data so simply probably SAP was optimizing that you're nobody is doing some select star from the universe you know so I'm just wondering what did you do there
3: yep so this is a I can actually show you the action live. So it may take a second for this to load, but oh, wow, it's actually pretty fast today. Uh, This is our our dev environment where we have tons of people in here. Um, But for those who have dealt with RFC read table before, you know that when the data comes back, um, it's concatenated into a string with a delimiter, um, which is a huge pain to parse that data. Um, so we built a special action that does that for you. So basically, it ends up looking like a SQL statement, even though it's calling RFC read table. But behind the scenes, it's taking the the data fields you've requested and those strings that come back and parsing it cleanly so you get an array of data back that's ready to use. Um, so we'll kind of show you an example here. If we want to let's look at read customer because that's one of my favorites. We spent so much time on this flow that, May as well give it some sunlight. So here's an example of what we're talking about. So uh, when you come in here, um, you can select the fields that you want to be returned um, and say that I want to add a new field. Uh, It will query the entire database table. So even if your Z fields are in there, um, and then you can just pick, like I've we've got ZZ Top, a rock band from Houston that's been appended to the uh, uh, customer header table. Um, so I could pick ZZ Top and bring it back. Uh, and then the advanced options, um, this is where you would pass your criteria. So here's our favorite leading zero concept. So KUNNR equal to, and then we have, if it's an integer, I need to format it with, 10 leading zeros. And if it's not, if it's alphanumeric, then I just pass it as is. Um, So that handles scenarios where if a customer uses obviously internal numbering, or external numbering, or both, we can handle it no matter what. Um, Mm -hmm. But the idea is the response that comes back is already parsed. um, And these data fields have their values in an array of data.
1: And no coding here.
3: Yep. Yeah, just
1: yeah,
3: uh, really great. Easy stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, fantastic. Thank you. I think, uh, again, I, I know from a lot of customers when the announcement um, came out that there was a lot of interest in this, and um, I think the, the apps, the flows, um, there, there can really be a lot of value in this. Um, the new connector with the load balancing functionalities, the single send on simplifications. I think we are on a really, really good track there, so I'm I'm really happy that uh, that we are doing this. Good. Anything else? Otherwise, we can wrap it up. So, John, thank you so much for joining us, and um, maybe we can have you back next year sometimes, um, and maybe you can talk a little about the the next cool thing, the next new things that that you're doing with the team. Um, yeah, but yeah, ben, we're, we're, so we're never for, gonna be for, done. Yeah. We'll, we'll never you. be
3: done. There's always gonna be new stuff coming out. So <laughs> <laughs> Which is good. Yep. Okay. Thank you everyone and right. see you next time. See you. Bye-bye. you. Bye bye. Bye
1: bye.